This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Philippians chapter 2 is what we're covering today. And the title of today's message is The Joy That Is Following the Example of Jesus with Joy. Follow Jesus with Joy. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to follow the example of the Lord Jesus because we know that in following Him, in loving Him, obeying Him, serving Him, there is true, lasting joy. So Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts and help us to understand how to follow the Lord Jesus more closely. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we have... Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 30, summarized in a quick five points. That to follow Jesus, we are to follow him with unity, we're to follow him with humility, we're to follow him sacrificially, we're to follow him with obedience, and we're to follow him without grumbling. So you can tell I'm going to build up to a convicting last point. So to follow Jesus with unity, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by, this is Paul writing to the Christians at the city of Philippi, and he's not wondering if they have these things. It's a conditional if meaning since. Therefore, since you have encouragement from being united with Christ, since you have comfort from his love, since you have common sharing in the Spirit, and since you have tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Can you see the importance of Christians in a faith community in a fellowship, in a church, being united. Now, the, Philippine, the, the church in Philippi began with a wealthy woman, businesswoman, uh, who sold purple cloth. It started with a slave girl who was very poor, and it started with a middle-class jailer. So it was a very diverse church, economically and ethnically and Uh, men and women, and it's hard to get along. Someone asked, how many Baptists are there? And uh, there are more than Heinz 57 variety of Baptists, and if you put uh, two of them together, they probably disagree, and there's more Baptists. So to be united is something that is of the Lord. When you follow the same point, when you have the same apex, the same focus, guess what? You, you head together. 
in a marriage. If you make Jesus your focus, you head together. So Jesus has to be our focus if we're going to have unity. These Boy Scouts uh, had a, uh, a bet, and the bet was, see who could walk the farthest on an abandoned railroad track rail. And people who would be on the rail would walk like this, and they might get, you know, five feet, ten feet, and then they'd fall off. But these two Boy Scouts decided that they were going to win the bet. And you know how they did it? One got on one rail, one got on the other rail, and they held hands and supported each other, and that's how they made it down the track of life. We need to hold hands and be united. Now, like-minded, same love, one in spirit, one in mind, does not mean uniformity. God is not creating disciples that are cookie-cutter, all looking exactly the same. He sees variety in the body, but we get along. And the reason we get along and love each other is because we're focused on Jesus. So we're to follow him with unity. And secondly, and this is where my thing died, so I will signal to the back to exchange, change my slide for me. We're to follow Jesus with unity. And secondly, the next slide, we're to follow Jesus with humility. Oh, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility... Value others above yourselves. Not looking. Okay. I'll use the Bible. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. So humility, as C.S. Lewis says, is not you thinking less of yourself, it's you thinking of yourself less. Did you catch that play on words? Humility is not thinking of yourself less, it's thinking of self less. So it's a selflessness. And it's a valuing of other people. When you see people, you should see a 10 over their heads. You should see a blue ribbon. You should see VIP over each person's head. Because each person has been made in the image of God. Each person is valuable. You know what today is? Today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. That means that all life is precious. Why is it precious? Because every human being has been made in the image of God. Every life matters. A couple came to me, and they said, Pastor, we're thinking of having an abortion. And I shared with them everything I knew from the Bible, pleading with them not to have an abortion. And at the end, they said, you almost convinced us, but we need to tell you something. We already have the doctor putting saline so that it will cause a birth, a, uh, an abortion. And I, I went home and I told Shirley, honey, 
What a failure. I, I tried to plead with this couple to keep that baby. And, uh, and, and it looks like they're moving on. No sooner did I tell Shirley that the phone rang. It was the couple. They said, on the way home, the Holy Spirit just convicted us. This is a precious life and we should not abort it. Even though we were told this uh, child um, had Down syndrome. And uh, what they did was call the, they called the doctor and said, could this be reversed? And the doctor says, yeah, I don't know if we've ever done that, but they tried. And the baby went full term and was born. And now he's 25 years old. He's a high-functioning Down syndrome kid. And he's, he's the joy of their lives. And he is, he brings great happiness to everyone he meets. And that life wouldn't have happened had God not spoken and intervened to, to spare his life. And, and every life is, is valuable. If I take a $100 bill and say, how much is this worth? You would say to me, $100. Now, if I fold it in half, how much is this worth? It's still worth $100. If I crinkle it up, how much is it worth? It's still worth $100. If I put it on the ground and stomp on it and squish it, how much is it worth? It's still worth $100. Do you get the idea? We're made in the image of God. And even if we have special needs, even if we're not what we used to be when we were younger, are we less in value to God than we were before? No. We're still of that value. You are valuable to God and you need to value other people seeing not only your own interests, but their interests as well. Are the arrows always pointing to you or are the arrows pointing out from you to others? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Paul is referring back to those preachers who are preaching out of rivalry and selfish ambition, trying to canvas to steal people away to be followers of them and putting down Paul. He's like, really? We don't need to compete in the body of Christ. We're one in the Spirit. We're one in the Lord. Let's get along. But selfish ambition and vain conceit, selfishness and pride always divide. Selfishness and pride always divide. You know what the problem is with young people today? I know, don't get you started. It's that feeling of entitlement. Entitlement is the world owes me. You owe me. You owe me life on a silver platter. I don't want to have to suffer. I don't want to do hard work. I don't want to have any hardship in my life. I want comfort. And it's owed me. Entitlement. Entitlement is when we claim our rights. We insist on our rights. I should be, you know, worshipped. I should be in charge. I should be... um, given this or that, when we insist on our rights, guess what? We divide 
from other people. There's a selfish hoarding of things that causes division rather than a giving to others. In the book of James, it says that selfish ambition and envy are the root of all disorder. And it goes on to say, but the wisdom that comes from above is first peaceable and it's submissive. So we want the wisdom that comes from above that helps us to be humble, valuing other people above ourselves. Dawson Trotman, the founder of Navigators, a ministry of discipleship that started in the military and has gone worldwide, was in Scroon Lake, New York. He was on Scroon Lake in a boat when two women fell overboard and he jumped in the water to save them. He got one woman and he held her up while kicking furiously with all his energy while the boat circled around and they grabbed the woman and pulled her into the boat. He went down and he got the second woman and he held her up and the boat circled around And they got that woman into the boat. And then he went down and didn't come up again. He drowned. Dawson Trotman, in the middle of life, drowned. And when his obituary was written in Time magazine, the summary of it was, he was always lifting others up. He was always lifting others up. My name is Lou, L-O-U. I just put an A in front of it. A-Lou, always lifting others up. That's what I want to be about. That's Christ-likeness. Always lifting others up. But if you're going to lift others up, you got to esteem them with value. All right, next slide. So we are to follow Christ in unity, we're to follow Christ in humility, we're to follow Christ sacrificially in your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What is the mindset of Christ Jesus? Next slide. Uh, Jesus himself said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What a mentality. Can you see the difference? One is a taker and one is a giver. One is a person who expects to be served, entitlement, and one is one who serves others, looks out for their best interest. Jesus looked out for our best interest. We needed salvation from sin, and he provided that. What else about the mindset of Christ? It's not self-consumed. It's not a spirit of entitlement. It's not being uncaring or disconnected. It's not being in competition or rivalry with others. It's not being uh, selfish in ambition. What else about the mindset of Christ? It's uh, not saying or doing proud or selfish things. It's valuing others above yourselves. It's expressing concern for others' interests. Moving along... We are to follow Jesus sacrificially and look at how he sacrificed. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God 
something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Here's Jesus. He's part of the Godhead, the Trinity. He's fully God in heaven. But he became, uh, it says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, God, became fully human while still being God, fully God, and he was obedient unto death. And thanks to his death on the cross, he provided what we needed the most. His shed blood provides the forgiveness of our sins, the washing away of all of our sins. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't live just for himself, but he lived for us? He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God through faith in him. Jesus was selfless, unselfish, giving, humble, obedient, And thanks to that, God the Father has exalted him. It says that sacrifices will be rewarded. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You're making a lot of sacrifices in your life. You have been serving others. You've been giving of yourself time and time again. And you know what? God who sees in secret will reward you. He knows the sacrifices that you've made. And great is your reward in heaven. Now, when my kids are small, and I'm so excited to be a grandfather, because I'm going to be able to read children's books again. And one of those children's books, I think, is called The Giving Tree. And it's about a mom. And it's, the, the, it's about a tree, actually. And this tree constantly says, take what you need from me. You know, take my branches and make a fire. Take my trunk and make a, a, a boat so you can go. And by the time the, uh, the book is over, all that's left of the tree is a stump. And the, the little boy who's receiving all this stuff from the giving tree uh, is an old man. And the tree says, and sit on my stump. Go ahead and just sit there. And the whole idea is this tree gave itself away for this little boy all the way through his life until he was an old man. And you and I are the giving tree. And by the time we're done, there's hardly anything left of us. Maybe a tiny stump. But guess what? God used your life, and he's using my life in the lives of our kids and grandkids and in our neighbors and in our friends and the people who didn't know the Lord. And we will be rewarded. We will be rewarded. All right, next slide. We're to follow Jesus with obedience. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, the way we grow as Christians in following Jesus is we work out what God works into us. 
So God works his grace and his love and his joy and his peace into us, like put kneading dough with special ingredients, and then we work out what God has worked in. Do you see how that works? So I like to think about the fact that God empowers us to obey, and by following through on what he's giving us the power to do, we fulfill the purpose for our lives, why we were made. And next, final, here's the, the, the convicting point. We're to follow Jesus with unity, we're to follow Jesus with humility, we're to follow Jesus sacrificially, we're to follow Jesus with obedience, and the kicker is we're to follow Jesus without grumbling. It says in Philippians 2.15, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. This is very key because of this next slide. Did you know that joylessness is the cause of grumbling. Joylessness is the cause of murmuring, grumbling, complaining. It's the opposite of the joy of faith mentioned in Philippians 1.25. It's the opposite of contentment mentioned in Philippians 4.11-13. Let me give you a definition of joy. Joy is the celebration of the sovereignty of God. When you celebrate that God is in charge in spite of your circumstances, you have joy. It's an attitude you have chosen, and God blesses that attitude. Thank you for believing I'm in charge. Thank you for believing that I have everything under control. Thank you for believing that I'm going to work all things for good in your life. Yes, Lord, I believe that, and I feel joyful because of it. You see how that works? But, the moment you stop thinking that God is sovereign, the moment you stop thinking God's in control, you start grousing. You start complaining. You start grumbling. You start murmuring. You start picking everything to pieces. And you're joyless. You're joyless. Why? Because you've forgotten God's in charge. Joy is the celebration of the sovereignty of God. Here's Paul. He's in house arrest. He's shackled to the imperial guard. And he says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Praise God. The gospel's being advanced. What is that? That is believing that God is sovereign. And no matter what happens in your life, even the shackles and the prisons, God can use them for good in your life because he's never gotten off the throne. He's still on the throne. He's still in charge. Our God is an awesome God who rules from heaven and earth. Do you believe that? Then celebrate it because as you celebrate it, God, you're in charge. Joy fills your heart. 
So lately, have you been grumbling or have you been grateful? That's the convicting point. Have you been grumbling or grateful? Following Jesus without grumbling, Paul is an example of that. It says, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. What we have in the book of Philippians is four examples of what it means to be a Philippians 2-4 Christian. Philippians 2.4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. The four examples of that are Jesus, who became a servant and died for the forgiveness of our sins. Paul, who's being poured out as a drink offering. He would walk by the temple and he would see the priest pour wine on the altar. And he's saying, here I am in house arrest under Emperor Nero. Remember Emperor Nero? The guy who burned Rome and then blamed the Christians and persecuted them? And Paul is going to be judged as guilty and he's going to be beheaded. So he's saying, I'm laying my life down on the line for the gospel and for the church, and for Christ. Do you hear any grumbling coming from him? None. And then Timothy. Paul says later in Philippians 2, and Timothy is one of a kind because everyone else is going after the world and seeking their own needs. There's another example of a Philippians 2.4 Christian. And then Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was sent as a messenger from the church at Philippi to bring an offering to Paul while he was in prison in Rome and also to support him and help him in any way that he could. And Epaphroditus gets gravely ill and almost dies. Why? Because he was the giving tree that was giving and giving and giving out of love to serve Paul as a representative of the church in Philippi. Four examples of a Philippians 2-4 Christian. Instead of grumbling, they're grateful. Instead of being served, they're serving. Let me ask you this question. Why did Jesus die on the cross? We're just going to skip to the next one. Why did Jesus die on the cross for you? For your purity and security. It says in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. 
So why did Jesus die on the cross for you? I present these things. Forgiveness. So you can say, I'm forgiven and I forgive others. Love. So you could say, I'm loved by God and I love others. Humility. So that instead of being selfish and, and uh, envious, you are yielding up your rights and reputation to serve others humbly. And service, that you sacrifice to benefit others. And the gospel, that you share the gospel with others. This is why Christ died on the cross for you. So you could be forgiven and forgive others. You could love, be loved and love others. You could serve out of humility and sacrificially, and you can share the gospel. So here's the closing prayer. And this is the most important part of the message. It's your response. If you've never trusted in Christ, I encourage you to pray this first prayer that says, I humble myself before you, Lord. Please forgive all my sins and fill me with your love, joy, and peace. I trust in you, Jesus Christ, as my Savior and Lord. If you've never trusted in Christ, pray this prayer and mean it. Ask the Lord to come into your life and fill you with his love and joy and peace so that instead of living for yourself, you'll live for others. And then for us who are Christians who have grown old and crusty, and maybe we're curmudgeons who are more on the complaining and grumbling side instead of the grateful and the joyful side, we need to pray this prayer. Lord, may I use the time I have here on earth to serve others in love and to share the truth of the gospel in both word and deed to your glory. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530 530- 8920521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's word.